Greetings and welcome to EHA Unplugged, the official podcast channel of the European Hematology Association, EHA. Hi, I'm Andre Corsini, um, scientific lead at EHA Education, and I'm here today uh, with Professor Kimo Parka to um, talk about prognostic models using big data. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm, I'm Kimo Parka, I'm the head of the department of hematology in Helsinki, and uh, I've been working with different types of database approaches for, for many, many years now. And especially, I'm very enthusiastic about the possibilities of utilizing true big data for improving treatments and, and outcomes of these our patients. This exactly the the reason of the interview. It sounds really interesting and uh, a completely new field, much promising. Can you illustrate us a little bit how this works for uh, people that don't know about it? Uh, so uh, it's, it's a question of, of uh, providing evidence to, to what we do, what the treatments that we use and, 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 and many other things. So the traditional way of, of you know, finding whether a new drug will work or not is by doing a clinical drug trial. That you have a drug and then you compare it with a, with a placebo usually and then you see that. But today the, now the patient numbers are going so they're going spawn and spawn all the time because we are able to uh, describe the leukemia so much better that we have smaller and smaller groups of patients. Right. So then you end up in a situation where you have only one patient, maybe in one center per year, and you can't really do unmuscular uh, trials yeah. in that setting. So that, that would be one use case of generating very big real-life networks that you collect from the hospital data set or then uh, so the two possibilities of collecting the data either, either you use the hospital data sets that you already collect when you treat these patients or then the other possibility which is providing very high quality data is also that that you collect all the information from the patient care to a centralized database and Harmony is a, is a very good example of, of that that has data from thousands and thousands of hematological patients that can be used in this, this manner as well. Okay, so the first point of all this is to collect new data. Yes. Data from the patients. And yeah. you need, of course, consortia and centralizing, possibly, to get the most data that you can. And after? Yeah, so you actually never have uh, enough data, <laughs> especially when you work with data, you always have too little data, you always want to have more. Yes. Uh, and uh, and uh, so, uh, well, uh, then once you've collected all the data sets, so either it doesn't really matter if they are, you know, collected in one place or then if you use them in their places like in the, in the hospitals, you just link them. Uh, uh, you know, so we got this type of federal data federation on data distribution where you don't have to send it to a central base but you can still use that in an analytical sense. So uh, then there are many options of utilizing this data so you can use it for knowing more and more about the various subgroups of patients or how are they doing that, what might, might, kind of treatments might, might be useful. But also that what, what I'm really interested in, in, in also that once we have a drug approved based on a clinical trial. It's quite often that when you then you know, bring it into clinical practice, 
the experience in the clinic is, is a bit different than we, we get from the clinical trials. Um, uh, it's called these types of uh, post licensing yeah. evidence generation that you generate evidence, you know, from the real life. This, this so-called phase four. Yeah, so it is, but it's in this way you do it much more systematically. Yeah. And you can even automate this process that the authorities would get like automated reports on the outcomes of, of these patients that are treated with the new, new drugs, say, every half a year. So, we don't have that type of system yet. There are many, many initiatives that are, that are being set, but, but I think that would be one of the great use cases for, for big data. In this, for example, uh, uh, a consortium like Harmony, how it works practically? Well, the question is, uh, it's actually quite simple. So, there's a, in a sense, in, in the basic idea, it's quite simple that you have one secure, you know, place where you can send all your data, and then you have very good people there, you know, managing the data sets and, and, and also changing it to a format that is really compatible with all because everybody has a bit different data set, so they need to harmonize the data. Yeah. And that's sort of part of the name to Harmony Project. You need to harmonize the data that they speak the same language. And then you can start using it to different, uh, different kind of research projects. I think the great things about uh, Harmony are that it's, it's quite extensive, that it has a lot of data, it has from many different diseases, but especially that they have thought about the data security, like the anonymization uh, uh, of the records, this type of de facto anonymization, which you can then, then still up, update the data sets. It's actually extremely clever and uh, it's a very robust environment and very secure, and, um, and I think there will be a lot of new solutions also for Harmony. I guess one of the um, one of the needs you have is to have a big net of hospitals, of centers that are participating. Yeah. How are centers uh, enrolled in this kind of... Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a very good uh, question. So, uh, Currently in Harmony, so most of the data comes from the clinical trials, so okay. most of the academic clinical trials. And obviously it's, it, it will be, and that's part of the future platform, the Harmony Foundation, is that, that they will be complemented with the, sort of the real data from the hospitals. But that requires two things again, that we need to also harmonize the data in the hospital, yeah. and also that you need to have understanding in the hospital administration that it's very good that you send data to Harmony and sometimes that's not, that is not so easy and, and we have the, the GDPR, you know, privacy legislation which is very good I think but then you have different levels of implementations locally so some countries are saying this interpreted very strictly and then usually that happens that you can't really send anything out of the hospital yeah. But some countries, luckily, are uh, much more flexible with that than, and also evolving because there will be this new legislation called the European Health Data Space in the upcoming year. So I think that will bring us more clarity, and I think it's absolutely clear that we need to be able to share data. I think it's absolutely important. I think it's one of the most crucial things that we need to learn from each other. 
And we can't do that if we, if we can't change the date. And it also probably will, uh, will help small centers, for example, yeah, that don't absolutely. have the possibility of doing yeah. and integrating a new yeah. digital centralizing of the new development transition. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good point. So, for example, that they are, they are a primary patient and then they see the junior responses and they want to check whether this would be, you know, something that the other, the biggest centers are seeing yeah. as well. So then you can quickly just go and have a look at when this this part. It's a, it's a good use case. But thinking about my, my life now, plus for example, there are some practical examples we can give to our listeners where yeah. this 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 kind of big data set could be useful. Well, for for example, for AML. Yeah. So the, the researchers have recently found now completely new subgroups of patients that have a different biology and should maybe be treated with uh, with other types of other types of treatments and and they've been studying for example these types of gene gene interactions because many many patients have many mutations and, and, and it again comes down to the that uh, that the when you divide the patients into the different mutations you get very very small numbers of patients. And that's why you need a very large number of data to, to, you know, to have a true understanding of the real subtypes, which indeed would need uh, different types of treatment. And I think those have been very, very useful information and data coming from from Armand for for AML, which in the end, um, in a few years, will absolutely impact also the treatment of this disease. Even I was thinking, given the ter the genetic heterogeneity of AML, it seems the perfect. Candidate for yeah, this. it is, but I mean, I mean, it's also it's also a relatively simple disease in itself. You have uh, between three to four mutations only in one patient, but even with this smaller smaller number of uh, mutations, you still end up with, with huge number of variations. But when you go to myeloma, for example, where you have much many many more mutations, much more complex disease. So that's also just illustrates that we never have enough of data. So we need to add more and more in order to really understand all, all this complexity that we are. Okay? In the end, I think I firmly believe that every patient is different, and uh, that's what we need. We need to treat every patient maybe differently. Sounds fascinating. Not so easy. Not so easy. No. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.